Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Dream Drive. Hey, folks, rent a cool, customized camper van to explore some of the beautiful areas of Japan a bit off the beaten track. Get back to nature, take a hike, go camping, discover rivers and lakes and remote temples and shrines, and even sleep right there. Dream Drive, your hotel on wheels. Hey everyone, this is an incredibly fun episode and something a little different from the usual Now and Zen style. Today, you're going to hear from Max Salmon, one of the most inimitable and passionate and eloquent guys I've been lucky enough to meet for Now and Zen. Mac is the founder of the fully customized tour company Maction Planet and recently has been gaining a lot of attention as an influencer through his YouTube channel, Kampai Planet where he meticulously reviews mainly Japanese whiskeys. This episode is in the spirit and style of Kampai Planet in that Mac and I have an inspiring conversation about his businesses and life in Japan while we sample Japan-related tequilas at Agave in the heart of Ropongi. Each tequila has a Japan backstory and Mac has really done his research. Even if you don't enjoy tequila or whiskey, you are definitely going to enjoy this episode, and I guarantee you'll learn some fascinating details about Japanese whiskey, a bit about tequila, and a lot about Mac's unique businesses and his take on why Tokyo is the greatest metropolis in the world. This was a two and a half hour chat edited down to 43 minutes. You could say this is an extra añejo quality conversation. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now and Zen with Mac Salmon. It makes me so happy to hear that you may not come from a whiskey-loving background, but you still enjoy watching the videos. That's yeah. very much part of what I want to achieve. Japanese whiskeys have become so popular in recent years. They've won some awards in Europe, and it's extremely sought after is it because they are making limited a certain amount of bottles and that that's it i mean what what's the business strategy here for japanese whiskey the strategy as it were of japanese whiskey as, as a whole right now certainly from the big producers suntory and nika is beholden to business decisions that were made 20 years ago japanese whiskey consumption peaked in this country in 1983 and only started to recover with the highball boom 2008 onwards so in 2000 Suntory and Nikka basically just thought, we have 17 years of straight declines. I came here for the first time in 2002, and around that time, rumor has it that Suntory were running their stills one day a week. Now, if they could, they would run them 50 days a week. So what's happened during that time? Well, as you have rightly said, Japanese whiskey started winning awards. This turned on the world to how good our Japanese whiskey was. I think. Prior to some of these awards, there was a big perception that a lot of Japanese whiskey was actually imported scotch. The industry has taken measures this year to try to fight that. You explain that very well in some of your videos too, by the way. Thank you very much. Those are actually, interestingly, the most popular videos. The second video I made was about the new Japanese whiskey regulations, right. and it's had twice as many views as the next nearest video. Mac, you're the founder and lead guide of Maction Planet, which is much more than just a tour company. How do you best describe your business? Maction Planet 
exist to fulfill the entire range of tourism related desires for inbound visitors to Japan. Our bread and butter is one or multi-day tours around Tokyo. What we do is anything from an evening of whiskey tasting, shochu tasting, all the way up to two or three weeks around the country guided by me personally and everything in between. Whatever it is, we can take care of it. It sounds like it's a personalized tour agency where you fully customize each journey for the customer. That is absolutely right. Maybe I should have led with that. <laughs> well, you've used the word bespoke before. Everything is 100% customized, but it is true that we have never led the same itinerary twice. Really? Me personally, I am the tour guide. That's one of the things, the original vision of Match and Planet, everything would be guided by me. As it grew and I started to get requests, I then looked for other guides who could fulfill the quality level mm. that was important to me. That's good for the options that that gives to uh, my guests. Speaking of options, you have a lot of options for customized tours on your excellent website, MactionPlanet.com. A few potential itineraries you highlight, back streets of Tokyo, night tours, music tours, food, photography, bikes, craft beer, accessibility, cooking, sake, whiskey, otaku, shochu, baseball, architecture, boat tours, iconic Tokyo, art, shopping, hiking, karaoke, and even stag and hen party planning. Wow. It really is all related to just my personal interests and those of the team who I work with. For example, three weeks after I moved to Japan in 2006, I went to my first Tokyo Yakult Swallows game, the amazing Meiji Jingu Stadium. Love that place. I've since been a 25 to 50 game a season guy. No kidding. Absolutely. Whoa. Being able to share that genuine, authentic passion for the Swallows not just ticket acquisition, not just somebody sitting next to you and rattling off a few facts that they've yeah. looked up the night before. If I have a group of 50 people, I could kit them all out with a different shirt from my personal collection of Tokyo Yakult Swallows merchandise. And so that's what I offer, that you're going to the game with a genuine fan. Similarly, I'm interested in whiskey, I'm interested in sake, I'm interested in architecture, I'm interested in art. So this is all just different aspects of, of my knowledge that I want to share with my guests. But the main reason why there are all these different itineraries on the website laid out like that is some attempt to SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, yeah. The reality of it, and I'm so lucky that a lot of my potential guests who come to me through word of mouth, you tell me your interests, you tell me the amount of time you want to tour for, then you trust the DJ. So you leave it to me. I bring all my knowledge and expertise yeah. to basically deliver what I call your, you know, your perfect personalized time in the world's greatest metropolis. I like that phrase. But what's cool about this is someone could combine multiple elements, do a Japanese cooking class in the morning, architecture, photography in the afternoon, then go for craft beers and karaoke in the evening. Exactly. And it would be with me personally, you know, maybe with some of my partners as well. For example, a tea ceremony. I'm not a fourth generation tea mistress. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but luckily, I know people who are. Well, you seem to be doing it very well. On TripAdvisor, Maction Planet has 292 reviews. 291 are rated as excellent, and one 
is rated as average. What happened there? Was it raining? Initially, when it happened, I have to admit it was a shock because of the insanely high and almost infinitely unobtainable benchmark of having these 100% five-star reviews. What I've been told since then is that it actually adds more credibility to it. I think when it had got to the point where we had like 200 all five-star reviews, I think there may even have been some doubt in some potential customer's mind. You quit your nine to five job in 2017. Why leave the comfy confines of the finance world and strike out on your own escorting gaijin around the back streets of Tokyo? I love how you worded that. In my first job, working for an insurance company just north of London in the UK, a gentleman who was two years my senior left the company. I asked him why. And he said something which has really stuck in my head. It's strange sometimes how these things sort of fixate in your mind. He said to me, I always imagine myself having three careers. It's kind of strange. I don't remember much else of what we talked about over the three years that we did work together. However, that phrase really stuck in my mind. So I had a part of my career within the insurance industry and then a part of my career within the investment banking industry. And then I wanted to do something that was a little bit more aligned with my passions. I'm very lucky, I've traveled to all seven continents, over 100 countries, and so travel is very much a part of my DNA. Nice. And so when thinking about what I could do that was a little bit more entrepreneurial, I gravitated towards that. And there are many websites out there and podcasts and YouTube channels telling you to follow your passions, but of course you have to have a value proposition for your customers, otherwise it's about you, not about them. So I thought, well, what can I bring to this game? Right. Back in 2017, to become a licensed guide, you needed to pass a guiding exam, which was tailored to a specific type of knowledge. For example, that guiding exam may well ask you, what is the capital of Ehimeken, which everybody I'm sure knows is Matsuyama, but they wouldn't ask you, when was the Yamazaki distillery founded? which is, of course, 1923. Of course it is. And and distillation began 11 minutes past 11 on the 11th of November, 1924. I would argue the answer to the second question is more useful... Definitely. ...than the answer to the first question. It's also a lot more emotional. People will remember that. Right. That traveling I mentioned I've done, I wanted to bring everything I've learned I wanted to bring the insanely deep level of knowledge that some of the guides that I've been lucky to have have had. I wanted to bring the flexibility that some of the guides, you know, I've met them in the morning, this is the planned itinerary, and then I found out about something the night before in a bar. I want to do that, and that guide's been able to make it happen. Sure. All of these things that I've loved about world travel, I wanted to bring to Maxion Planet. Wow, I can feel the passion emanating out of you for sure. And what you say about guides really making a tour is absolutely correct. I've even had guides that invited me to their house for dinner afterwards. That wasn't on the itinerary. It wasn't on the itinerary. And you know what? You'll forego maybe some missing knowledge that they might have had you yeah. know, about a particular statue because they gave you an experience that you would remember. Sure. One of the key philosophies of Match and Planet is I wanted to change guiding from a commodity to a profession. Nice. The way guiding works here, guests turn up to the lobby of the hotel, talk to the concierge maybe the night before, maybe even that morning, and they say, you know, we want a tour. Concierge goes to an agency, and the agency looks around for who is available. 
So you're getting one of a number of guides and you may get one which is excellent, you may get one which is That's less right. so. You've not had any dealings with them until they then turn up to the hotel lobby to pick you up for your six to eight hours. I wanted to change that. I wanted to legitimately justify giving people a non-commoditized experience for a non-commoditized price. Perfect. So now let's talk about Corona times. You made a pretty big pivot when the tourism industry dried up from shifting tours to the local gaijin community to online cooking classes. But what I'm most interested in and impressed with is your new emphasis on Kampai Planet. Why and what is Kampai Planet? The aim of Kampai Planet is to bring the world of Japan's drinks direct from the heart of Tokyo to the world. Demystifying, democratizing and helping people discover the world of Japan's drinks. Kampai Planet was born out of my love of content creation. As someone who's creating content via this podcast, I know the amount of work required to output something a little better than average. And your Kampai Planet is a lot better than average. You use a great location. Uh, you have animations. You edit well. The duration is not too long, not too short. It's kind of like Goldilocks. It's just right. And I haven't even talked about your content. It's well-researched, articulate. You really know how to review a spirit. I'm not a big fan of whiskey, but after watching some of your videos, it makes me want to go out and try it. Seriously. Thank you so much. And if you're listening, Suntory and Nika, you heard that from the main man, Andrew. So I'm expecting my commissions to come in the post. <laughs> Although, you know, those guys and indeed any producer of Japanese whiskey now, they really don't need any help selling any of yeah, their product. The, yeah. the demand is insane. But going back to your comments about the content itself. Thank you very much. First of all, a lot of the things that you've just highlighted were deliberate decisions on my part when I set out to create Kampai Planet. I wanted to think about what the USP would be and what the style would be. You're focused on one thing right now, which is Japanese whiskey, and you're doing it really well. So I think that the leap from whiskey to maybe some other Japanese spirits, then you become this one-stop shop for everything Japan liquor related. I think there's a huge opportunity there. And if you're doing the other spirits as well as you do Japanese whiskey, mate, this is going to be a home run. And that's sort of my free unsolicited business idea right out of the gate. Well, thank you for that business idea. You know, they always say when you want to start a YouTube channel that you should think about your niche. A long time ago when Kampai Planet was but a mere twinkle in my eye, I thought about that niche as being Japanese whiskey. But for me, that niche is too small. I always say that nothing makes me happier than just listening to people who are passionate about any subject talk about that subject and I'll mm. learn something. You can apply that learning to, to something else and maybe make a connection that you never thought you would make. Cool. Um, was that the end? No. Okay. Uh, there, was was there, there was more. So, yeah. um, so, so hang on. We haven't even started drinking yet. I know. <laughs> I felt that just focusing on Japanese whiskey was too small a niche and it wouldn't be authentic because my interests are bigger than that, which is why yeah. Kampai Planet featuring the world of Japan's drinks. 
That's gonna be anything from whiskey. There are a few Saka videos on there at the moment. I've, yeah, I've got a couple of Saka qualifications, which hopefully add some credibility to that. Mm -hmm. I've even reviewed a Godzilla energy drink. Sweet. Uh, which was pretty popular. And a Scotch whiskey, which was a Japan exclusive. Yeah, I saw that. So all of those are within the domain yeah. of Kampai Planet. You know what else you should do? Since you're focused on alcohol, Ukon drinks and why they're so integral to drinking alcohol in Japan. That is a great idea because I remember when Ukon no Chikara was first introduced to me by my former colleague, Teshi Goara-san. Teshi, yeah. if you're listening, thank you very much for maybe saving me from some hangovers. We don't know because you can't run the experiment twice, you know? No, you can't. I, I do wonder sometimes if it's more placebo. Are you a firm believer in drinking one before you drink? Do you also drink one afterwards as well? Yeah, that's a good question. What I have found, it only really works if you take them before you start drinking. Right. I would agree. It's incredible, isn't it? That selection of energy drinks in a kombini or herbal medicines. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely content for Kampai Planet. Anywho, with video, there's so much investment. Each of these videos takes me about two and a half days to make. I absolutely want people to watch it. I'm proud of what I'm producing and I think I have something valuable to say. And so if you're interested in that subject, I would love you to watch it. Yeah. It's very impressive what you've done in such a short time because the quality is really exceptional. So congratulations. Thank you so much for yeah. saying that. That really means a lot, especially coming from you and, and the quality of Dude. Uh, your podcast editing and also the guests that you have as well. That, that really means a lot. So well, thank you, Andrew. Well, thank you. But I'm, I'm just swimming in your wake. I'm just audio, man. Your, your video and, and all of that. Well, very good. Um, in the spirit of Kampai Planet, I'd like to talk about another spirit you focus on whiskey, but today we're going to focus on tequila. And not just any old tequila. These are three tequilas that have an association with Japan. So I would like to do a Kampai Planet style where we taste these and we review or evaluate them. Sure. And there are four steps to this. Step one is to note the color. That's right. Step two is to identify the aromas, the nose. Step three is experience the flavors. That would be... The palette. And number four is to evaluate the finish. That would be... The finish. How does that sound to you? I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. Probably most listeners are going to be bored to death listening to us taste tequilas. So between each tasting, we're going to talk more about your business, your experience in Japan. You down for that? Absolutely fantastic. And of course, for it to be a real Kampai Planet style tasting, we've got to give some people some information beforehand. One step ahead of you, my friend. All right, so we've got three tequilas here. The first one we are going to be sampling is a tequila with a Japanese name. This tequila is Shizuku. It means drop or droplet. The bottle is shaped like a droplet and it has the kanji for Shizuku right on the label. The backstory here is Sugiyama-san, who owns a Mexican restaurant in Fukuoka, he went to Mexico in 2010 to collaborate with a tequila distillery. The first bottles came out in 2013. According to Sugiyama-san, this was made with the Japanese consumer in mind. It's supposed to be lighter, and smoother. Susan to his friends, Yoshifumi Sugiyama. He's got his El Boracho restaurant. 
He's got a Shizuku hamburger joint. Burgers and beers. Burgers and beers. And tequila. He also has a, a craft brewery, Fukuoka Craft. And they make two year-round beers, an American Pale Ale and a Hazy IPA. Nice. I love Hazy IPAs. His reputation precedes him. For sure. So this is a Japanese-engineered, Fukuoka-developed tequila. The first one we're going to try is the Blanco. 100% agave. It's 100% tequila. It's easy to tell whether a tequila is 100% or not 100%. The 100% agave will be printed boldly on the label. You don't have to search for it. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a source of pride and it's a marketing point. This is the Blanco. And when we talk about color, there is no color because Blanco is often it's not aged. If it is aged, it might be up to about two months and it would be in stainless steel containers. Almost all tequila is made in Jalisco province. Right. And there's a lowlands and there's a highlands. And this is in the lowlands. Lowlands tequila is often a little more earthy and a little bit more spicy. Yeah, and you can pick up some of that spice on the nose. There's also a very strong citrus note there. Are you getting that? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm definitely getting the agave. So now I want to experience the flavor. Let's try this palette. Wow, the first one I get, the initial flavor, I almost taste a little anise. Yeah. A little licorice. A little aniseed. Is that how you pronounce it? (laughs) I think there's star anise, Ah, which is the spice. And then there's aniseed, which is the licorice-y thing. Ah, okay. So you might want to say that again. Or maybe you're getting anise as well. No, I don't know. (laughs) I'm getting whatever you said. Okay. I'm I'm leaving that in. Licorice. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm getting a licorice flavor. Fantastic. I'm getting a little bit of an earthy flavor there, a little black pepper. What's amazing about this is that it's extremely smooth. Yeah. And it doesn't have any of that tequila bite to it. It's interesting with Shizuku. You can almost tell that it has been engineered a little bit for the Japanese palate. Why do you say that? Because it's quite dry. When you think about, say, Nihonshu, Japanese sake, that Japanese people have with their food, that kind of concept of having a slightly drier drink with food, which is a very important concept here in Japan, you know, pairing, I think it's been engineered to fit into that kind of profile. And I can tell jumping ahead because the finish is very short. And that kire or short, sharp finish that you get on a, a Nihonshu from, say, the Niigata style is a desirable quality for a sake that goes well with food. Dude, there's a reason why I invited you here today and now I know why. Well, that's interesting you say that because the long finish seriously reminds me of sake. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. You know, the kire is kind of where you drink it and you enjoy it on the palate and then it kind of stops dead. Reminds you a bit of, uh, of Nihonshu. Sake-ish. Yes. Let's try the Reposado from Shizuku. Personally, I'm a big fan of Reposado. It's aged in American oak, bourbon oak barrels. So you get a deeper, more complex flavor to it. So uh, let's try this Reposado. Oh, wow. So that's completely different. I, I smell caramel straight up. Yeah. And you'll notice the color, yeah. So the barrel influence gives it this really very nice, almost whiskey-esque color, which is lovely. Holy cow. It's a lot more lively, isn't it? It it definitely is. It has a lot more floral. Absolutely. I'm getting a lot of fruit, a lot of floral, as you say. Fantastic on the nose. Every Reposado starts off as a Blanco. So this has a little bit more complexity to it. What are you tasting? That oak character is really coming through. 
and there is a bit of spiciness. I'm getting a bit of ginger. Ginger? I didn't get that. You know, each person can get a different flavor. So you say, you mentioned ginger. I don't get any ginger, but that doesn't mean that it's not present. I sometimes joke and say, if you watch my videos, that the tasting notes are the least useful part of it. Because what I try to do is present a lot of information about the distillery. You do. About the brand, even things about the calligraphy that's on the label, yeah. the characters involved in producing it, and the story. And that's all going to educate your purchase. After that, I present my opinion on the drink. Yeah. And it is exactly that, an opinion. Some people get pineapple. Some people will swear there is absolutely no pineapple in yeah. this. <laughs> okay, I tried both. I have to say I prefer the Blanco over the Reposado. It's interesting, isn't it? You would have immediately thought, if you had to guess which one you would have preferred before tasting them, you would have gone with the Reposado. You would just immediately assume the aging right. is going to make it better somehow. It's, it's certainly more expensive, Dram. But sometimes you're in the mood for something that's easier to sip. Sometimes actually the flavors from the wood obfuscate the beauty of the distillate. Wisely said. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. The next station is Paul The doors on the left side will open. Let me ask you this. Your love for Tokyo, Mac, can be felt via everything that you do. But you came to Tokyo first. It was your first exposure to Japan. Do you think you might have felt different had you gone to Osaka, Kyoto, or even Fukuoka first? That is an excellent question. I think I would have felt affection to them, but one of the reasons I love Tokyo is it, it's the biggest. It is the world's greatest metropolis in every sense. I need to live somewhere that is as close to infinite as human beings are able to create. Tokyo is the closest that humanity is created to the infinite city. If I had gone to Fukuoka, I would feel, and I love Fukuoka, I'd feel that it was lovely, but I would always know deep down as soon as I set foot in Tokyo, right. that it was no Tokyo. That's an interesting perspective. Tokyo is an infinite opportunity adventure city. I believe that's true. And people often ask me why I love Tokyo. And I always say it's five reasons. And I think of it as like max hierarchy of needs. At the bottom, we have two maybe boring reasons, the safety, and the efficiency. I value my personal safety very highly. For sure. I like to think most people do. And the efficiency. I just like to know when I said I would meet you in Agave at a certain time, I knew I would make that time very precisely. Something that you can't always do in London without allowing yourself a long cushion for leaves on the track or whatever hell else may happen sure. that is totally unexpected because autumn has never occurred before in the UK. So <laughs> once you build up from the safety and the efficiency, then we have the three things which give joy to life. People, food and drink and culture. And by culture, I mean things to do. I don't mean 
tea ceremony and swords yeah. and shodor, although, of course, they are all amazing things and add to the fabric of the city. I'm talking right. about baseball. It's interesting that a guy from UK would become a baseball fan. I just fell in love with the atmosphere at Meiji Jingu Stadium. I yeah. don't even think that I really like the sport, even after 15 years of watching it so much. Yeah. I think what I like is that I have a great community there. Again, yeah. that people. And I treat it as my outdoor pub. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, that food and drink. So, in yeah. a sense, the, the sport actually encapsulates all of the other aspects of Tokyo that I love. Yeah. I love that actually, see, you know, interesting fact about Japanese baseball is that for big parts of the stadium, seating is segregated, which is a concept we associate around the world with soccer support, certainly in Europe, yes, but not so much with baseball in the US. Fans no. sit together. In Japan, big parts of the stadium are for the home support, and then a part of the stadium is for the away support. If a fan of the opposition is wearing their colours where I sit, security will move them. So nothing is going to happen to this fan. Then They're not going to get anything thrown at them except for maybe some abuse hurled. It's all done, it's all very safe, and it's all very polite. The, it's interesting as well, the dynamic in Japanese baseball is that when we're in bat, we cheer. And then when we're not in bat, we don't sing. The opposition fans sing. So polite. It is so polite, and that's one reason why you can't be sitting in certain areas with your opposition shirt on, because that's breaking up that war and harmony that is needed for this community to exist together. True that. Let's try this second tequila. Now, this one has ties to Japan, and it's a little bit deeper than the Shizuku. This is Kaskuin, and Kaskuin is made by Tetsu, as he's affectionately known, because he used to work at the old Agave. He is a legend, right? He is a legend. Kakeda-san? Tetsu Kageda. He moved to Mexico in 2014... He just went there on a whim because he loves Mexico, he loves tequila, and he wanted to learn how to make it. He was cruising around the Jalisco area, went to the street fair or something, and met somebody who introduced him to the owners of Cascuin, and he's been there ever since. Although this tequila is not specifically made for the Japan market, it is made by a passionate Japanese guy, Tetsu who is very dedicated to his craft. We're going to start off with another Blanco. They have two different Blancos. They have their standard and a Tahona. Tahona is the Spanish name for the traditional brick ovens where they cook the agaves. It looks good and it smells amazing. Definitely big hit of agave, that's for sure. Absolutely. Really lively. It's a little bit earthy, a little bit more dry. Yeah. A little bit less of that citrus than we had in the Shizuku. Okay, on the palate. That is unique. It's pretty good. That Tahona has given it a mellower feel. There's really two ways to cook agave. You can cook it in a traditional brick oven, yep. a Tahona, or an autoclave, which is basically a large pressure cooker. I don't know what the big difference is there. I, don't, I couldn't say if one is better than the other. I would believe that the autoclave would be a lot faster. It's an interesting distinction that some distilleries use the traditional brick oven and others use the autoclave. They're an interesting brand, aren't they? They have about eight bottles in yes. their core range. Only recently were some of them actually even exported to the US. So they truly were very Mexico-focused for a, a long time. 
The U.S. is the largest tequila market in the world. It's even larger than Mexico. It's interesting that Japan is number five in the world, and nobody would expect that. But the majority of it, though, is not 100% agave, unfortunately. So when you go to a bar in Japan and you ask for tequila, typically you're going to get the mixed. The Olmecas, the Mariachis, the Cuervo Golds, those are not 100%. Any tequila that's named silver or gold is not 100% tequila. So be aware of that and don't drink it. That was a public service announcement brought to you by Andrew Hankinson. I. <laughs> okay, so this is an extra anejo, which means that it's been aged in American oak barrels for three to five years. Let's give this a... Well, first of all, I want to look at the color. You know, you're still only working with, say, four years here. If you think about, say, aging whiskey in a sherry cask... Yeah. You know, you'd be, you're looking at a, a decent amount of time before it really picks up that yeah. deep, deep color. But for a tequila, this is a nice brown color. Yeah. On the nose, for an extra anejo, it has a, a, yeah. a really heavy agave and also a little bit of an alcohol aroma to it. That is absolutely right. If you had put this in front of me in a blind tasting, I may not even have picked this for a reposado. Exactly. This exactly. has got a really blanco character to it. There is a little bit of kind of sweetness, maybe something like a cocktail, like a Japanese brown sugar there, which maybe mm. could hint at some barrel aging. Like a molasses almost. Exactly right. It's extremely smooth. For as strong as it smells, it's opposite in the way that it tastes. It has a, just a little bit of a burn when you swallow. These two tequilas have been bottled at a slightly higher alcohol percentage. The Blanco is 42%. And this, interestingly, for an aged uh, spirit, is actually bottled higher at 43%. You're right. It is 43. That explains it. And I think that's what you're tasting. Yeah, that is exactly. I mean, that's that's not high for a whiskey, but that is relatively high for a tequila. Got that right. Getting back to the Cascuin, we had the Blanco and we had the Extra Anejo. Which one did you prefer? I like the Extra Anejo purely on taste. If you were looking at it as some representation of extra aged tequila, it's probably not the best out there. That's a good point. However, just drinking it completely on its own merits as a drink, then I loved it. I'm going to have to go with the Blanco again. Okay. I'm two for two on the Blancos. For me, the big thing is the alcohol content. It distracts from the flavor and the complexity of what I really love about tequila. You know, that's interesting because sometimes I'm reviewing... You know, 63.5% cast strength whiskeys, you know, high 50s. Yeah. So one of the things I have trained my palate to do is to try to pass through some of that alcohol. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, alcohol adds body and character to a drink. They would taste very, very different. That's true. Makes sense. So, Mac, what makes working and living in Japan special for you? Living in Japan is made special by the fact that despite I've lived here for 15 years, you're still having these micro or mini adventures every single day that just make you thankful to be able to live in the world's greatest metropolis. Whether it's just an interaction with people, whether it's a delivery that you wanted to come between four and six actually arriving between four and six, the quality of what you're eating relative to the insanely low price that you've paid for it. 
an appreciation of histories of craftsmanship or just going to a baseball game in a very safe environment. All of these things combine to make living here very yeah. special. Working here can be at times a slightly different proposition. It also has its mini and micro adventures, but they can more often be challenges. Well, I found that ch the challenges in Japan require one thing to overcome. That's patience. Yeah. That's it. If you're willing to be patient, put in the time, fill out the forms, wait in the line, gum on to a certain degree, persevere, usually works out. It does. It may take longer. There definitely are more forms that need to be filled in. And you may have to go back 10 times where you only expected to go back four. But you will get there. And that is something I like. If the rules say it can be done, then it can be done. It just means you have to navigate into that. Yeah. They will then call you up and tell you that you didn't stamp this properly. Right. Or that your signature was slightly, out, you know, a millimeter outside the box. But the return trip and the, making sure the signature is within the box will be at least another step towards achieving your goals. So this is the third and final Japan-related tequila that we will be tasting. Today we have two. We have a Reposado and we have an Añejo. Um, this is a relatively newer tequila. This is Don Suenos. Only established in 2017. The Japan connection here is that it's owned by a Japanese woman, Kumiko Zimmerman. She uh, lives in the U.S., lives in Florida. There's not a lot of information about Don Suenos. Well, I mean, there's a lot of information about the tequila, but not much about Kumiko. Uh, other than she's tried to bring it into Japan. I don't see it that often in Japan. I know they've had events. She's been to Japan, but I don't see it at liquor stores. I don't see it in the media. I know they have a Japanese language site. Given its recent launch, I suspect they've been derailed a little bit by the pandemic. Kumiko herself is a really fascinating character. She actually spent the first 30 years of her life in Tokyo. So she's the founder and co-owner of Don Sueños. Of course, Sueños means dreams. Dreams. So it's kind of a composite name. It's got that Don... The Don of being the Don. Right. Don the Don, yeah. The Don. Kind of like the, and the head honcho. The head honcho. Honcho, of course, itself is a word of Japanese origin. One thing with Don Sueños, of course, they are trying to position this as a premium brand. So it comes with a little bit of a premium design. You've got the agave plant at the top there. Right. And then the rather bold statement, the Don of all tequilas, life on your terms. So they've put some thought into yeah. where to position this. Okay, so, that so this is the Reposado. Wow. On the nose, there's not much. No, there really isn't. That tastes very nice. I, I taste um, caramel, butterscotch, some more vanilla. Vanilla mm. is a big characteristic you get in whiskeys aged in bourbon barrels. So I think that's partly what we're seeing here. It's the sweetest of all the tequilas that we've had so far. Yeah, it certainly is. It's very nice. I'm not getting anything from it that tells me that this is premium other than the way that they've branded it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. The after finish is almost nothing. The kire, as you say, yeah. is I almost don't taste anything in my mouth. It's, it's very short. Very short. But it's tasty. It tastes like Casa Noble. Also very sweet tequila. Kind of like what the, the, the popular tequilas are right now is what this tastes like. And although I do like this Don Suenos, 
it doesn't taste to me like it's a like an old traditional. When you when I when I say oh it's it's from 2017, I, I say to myself, hmm, yeah, buddy. Having said that, let's get to the anejo now. It is interesting to see that every time we've gone from the less age to the more age, whether it's been the blanco to the repasado, whether it's been the repasado to the anejo, you're immediately getting that mellowness. Those notes that we saw with the repasado, the vanilla. That sweetness is there and it's deeper. It is. I'm also getting more fruity with this. Mm. I'm getting a tangerine. Yeah. Grapefruit, tangerine. Yeah, there is there is definitely a citrus element to it. There and is. The sweeter side of that is more orange. Yes. You know, mandarin. And then yes. there's the kind of deeper kind of grapefruit, lemon, citrus as well. For an añejo, I still get the amount of agave flavor that I love and enjoy that I typically don't expect in an añejo. I really like this. The finish is much longer. Yeah, agreed. And it's interesting of the tequilas that we've had tonight. This is one where that has stood out. Yeah, I like this one. And I can easily say that I prefer this añejo over the reposado. I would agree. What I really like about this añejo is that it's different to any of the other five great tequilas that we've tried tonight. Mac, there's a saying, do what you love and you'll never have to work another day in your life. And you, my friend, are the living definition of this phrase. Today, I've really enjoyed sharing tequilas with you. Where can people who want to learn more about what you do, Maxion Planet, Kampai Planet, where can they find you? Andrew, thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's honored to be part of the incredible pantheon of people who've participated in Now and Zen. If you're interested in the travel side of what I do, please check out MaxionPlanet.com. And from there, that'll give you all the information that you need to book a tour. From there, you can also find all of the Maxion Planet social media. We're Maxion Planet on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And for all your Japan drinks content, yes. please go primarily to youtube.com slash Planet. That's Kanpai spelled with an N, K-A-N-P-A-I. I'm also Kanpai Planet on all social media platforms, too many social media platforms. And even if you don't like whiskey, you're going to enjoy the content. It's very entertaining, very informative, and a lot of fun. So, Mac, Kanpai. Kanpai. And that was Mac Salmon. As you heard, it was a lot of fun. Hope you learned a little about tequila, a little bit about whiskey, and a lot about Mac's passions. They can be found at youtube.com slash kampaiplanet, maxionplanet.com, and both can be found across all SNS platforms. I really recommend watching some Kampai Planet videos. They're really well-researched and so enjoyable. If you found this episode enjoyable, then you can listen to more Now and Zen guests at nowandzen.jp. If you're feeling generous, go to iTunes and leave a star rating, maybe even a nice comment, would be much appreciated. Until next time, thanks everyone and come by. <laughs>